It is good to be together. I love, I love being in worship together. And um, I want to share, share with you, some of you, uh, some of you know that I'm a runner. I enjoy running. I'm one of those weird people that enjoy it. And um, I mean, I enjoy the physical exertion, um, I, the peace of mind I get psychologically when I run, and the purposeful time. It's very purposeful for me, um, and it's communion with God for me. It's a time I use for prayer. Um, I pray for you often while I'm running. I, I ask God for guidance. I listen to worship music sometimes. I listen to books uh, that instruct me or, or, or help encourage me in my growth. Um, so running is, is very important to me. Now, most of my life, I've been a short-distance runner, um, you know, three miles, four miles, five times a week. Uh, I like to uh, push myself at those times to see how fast I can get them done, and the older I get, the lower my expectations are. I wasn't going to say the lower my time. I was going to say the, <laughs> the worse my expectation is, and um, so um, I, it, sometimes I enjoy doing uh, 5Ks and, um, and, uh, for the community, and for, uh, you know, maybe the fundraising event is for something like that, and especially for the t-shirts you get. I like, I like the t-shirts they give you. Uh, this summer, I actually ran in the uh, Red Hot Chili Pepper 5K. This, that's for um, the benefit of Family Promise. And I got talking with a friend of mine after the race, and, um, which I was dying at the moment. And uh, he mentioned this thing called Tour de Ford. And uh, I wasn't very familiar with it. It was a race to happen in October. Of course, the Red Hot Chili Pepper was in July, which I don't think anybody should ever run 5Ks in July. But, um, but it was coming up in October. And, um, and he, he said, if you don't know anything about it, it's on the Ford Plantation. You actually run through the Ford Plantation. Well, I've never been to the Ford Plantation. I thought, this would be great. I'll get to see it. All, more than, I'm sure it's more than 10 miles, but I'm going to get to see 10 miles of the Ford Plantation. And, um, and I thought, this is going to be really cool. And um, so I was very encouraged, and I signed up and all that stuff. So I started my, my training and started getting ready. And I, I want to make this clear, though. 5K is not 5 miles. That's 3.1 miles. Kilometers are different. It's metric. We don't understand it in America. But um, Tour de Ford is 10 miles. It's three times the normal distance I'm used to running. So I was like, I have to go online and find a... a training app or plan or something so that I can get ready. There's no way I can just go out and run 10 miles. And um, so I went online. I found this website that had this training thing for a half marathon. Half marathon is 13.1. So I thought if I can do this, I've got 10, 10 or 12 weeks before the event. I'll be ready. I'll get, I'll get all gassed up and I'll be ready to go. And so um, the first week of the training wasn't so tough. I thought, oh, this isn't going to be so bad. Second week, started getting a little more difficult, and then the next thing I know, I was like, ooh, this is, this is a lot harder. And one of the first things that I noticed was instead of running as fast as I could five days a week for short distances, the training instructed me to run slower, farther, only three days a week. And it's, it's what you do when you run a marathon or a half marathon. You need time to recover. You need time to uh, to help your body protect itself from, from overexertion and from injury. And so uh, all of a sudden, instead of running five days a week, I'm running three days a week. And my off days, I didn't know what to do with myself for a while. Now I've gotten used to it. But, um, well, the training was going pretty well. I'd worked up to 10 miles. I was, it, I was going to work up to 10 miles the week before I actually ran the Ford, uh, Tour de Ford 10-miler. And they canceled the event. And I was like, ah, oh, man. And I was really bummed about it. But 
now I'm looking forward to my first half marathon. So I'm, I've, I've continued to train, and I'm getting ready for a half marathon. Actually, Amy, uh, Amy Peters told me about um, a 100-mile challenge by the end of the year. And uh, by the way, I'm 75 miles in. Yes, I've already run 75 miles. So um, she, she put me onto that. So I'm going to try to get that done before Thanksgiving. Um, now, why am I telling you all this stuff? Well, because this very simple thing, life is like a marathon. It's not a sprint. And we learn a lot uh, when we're training differently. Um, it has never been clearer to me than it is now that uh, you can't hurry through life. You can't hurry through COVID. You can't sprint through racism. You can't run past elections. Even if you vote early, you know what? They still show the ads, even after you're done voting. They're still on the radio. They're still on television. They're still dry. I still get my mailbox full of those things every day. You can't speed up hurricanes. You can't make them go by faster. Or you can't slow them down either. They are on a clock of their own. So we, we must learn to pace ourselves with, with, uh, with our life, with times of, of work, or in my case, in this analogy, is with running. We've got to pace ourselves um, with our work. We have to have times of mental renewal. So we have to have times of Sabbath, of rest. And we have to have times of spiritual purpose, which I'll call worship. You have to have times of communion with God and worship. Now, I want to share with you a Jesus encounter that I believe um, highlights these needs in our lives. So if you have your Bibles or your phone, you want to look it up, look with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. We're going to begin in verse 14 of Mark 9. And it says this, it says, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd gathered around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Like they were surprised. They're like, oh my goodness, Jesus is here. And then Jesus says, what are you arguing with them about? Now I want to pause here for a moment because um, I want you to understand and get this picture. Jesus is with Peter, James, and John. They've just come down off of a nearby mountain where we learned that Jesus was transfigured right in front of them. His whole, the glory of God was shown incredibly in front of them. Uh, Peter, James, and John saw him talking with Elijah and Moses, and they heard the voice of God saying, This is my son. Listen to him. They had just come down from the most incredible spiritual retreat they'd ever been on. Way better than Snowbird Jack, I'm sorry, but it's true. It is just this powerful, incredible time with God. And now they have made their way back to the other nine disciples. And they walk up on this argument. Some, some versions say the word discussing. What are you discussing? What is this discussion you're having? And then, you know, in reality, the scribes here are, are really just lighting into the disciples. They are giving them what for? They are challenging them. They are questioning them, their authority, their faith. They are fussing at them. They are negatively putting them down. This discussion is not really one that resolves a problem. Have you ever walked up on a discussion that just sounds like a major gripe session? It sounds like you're trying to put somebody in place. We see it all the time in social media. Somebody makes a statement and then, oh my goodness, everyone just bleh, all their opinion about everything that just happened. So this discussion is not 
one that's going to resolve anything. As a matter of fact, it's more of a power play by the scribes. They are trying their best to dismiss the disciples. They're trying to underride their ministry in, in an attempt to make themselves look better. It's all a power play for them. They're trying to be dismissive of the ministry of Jesus. So what was the problem causing this ruckus, this discussion? Well, we find the answer in verses 17 and 18 uh, of Mark 9. It says, a man in the crowd answered, you know, what is this discussion? And this man answers, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And all of a sudden, everyone, ooh, you don't have any authority. You don't have any. Just really just lighten into the disciples. Now, this, this is the issue at hand. And this man basically brings his, his boy in for healing, and the disciples couldn't do it. Is this unreasonable? Is it unreasonable to ask them to do something like this and then to catch all this flack? Well, not really. Because earlier in Mark 6, we read that in verse 7, he gave them authority over unclean spirits. And in verse 13 of chapter 6, they cast out many demons. So they had this, they have done this before. They've, they've carried this out before. And the disciples were as confused as anyone else in their inability to do what they had just done. They had just carried this stuff out. And the discussions were not offering any comfort, any hope, or any solution to the father or his boy. Sometimes we run into problems that are not resolved. They're not cured, and we get lost in the discussions. We voice opinions. We voice rebuttals, judgments, negativity, while not considering the hopelessness that we're putting on someone else. The way we're making this father and the boy feel, they're pretty hopeless and helpless anyway, and we're not helping the matter at all. We're not offering any comfort at all. You see, this, this is the mental work of life, is where we have to be aware of what's going on around us, what we're thinking and what we're saying. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 too, do not conform any longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is the mental work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's difficult to escape the trappings of gossip or idle chatter or critical talk, we find ourselves joining in much easier uh, than it is to resist and offer self-control and try to clear our mind. Talk that neither builds or offers instructions, that's, that's what Jesus walked up to. This isn't helpful at all. So look at what happens next. He's like, you guys, your, your mental state is all off here. So verse 19, he, he continues, he says, You unbelieving generation... Now, I've heard preachers read this, you unbelieving generation, you know, kind of really getting on to them. But it's more of a, because look what he says. He says, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, this is important, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, 
How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answers. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. There's the completeness of his statement there. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But then Jesus did something he often does when he's healing someone. It says he took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Jesus sets no limits to the power of faith. It is the same confidence in God that Jesus rebuked the raging storm in Mark 4.39. He met the, the dangerous uh, maniac or demoniac at the tombs in Mark 5.8. And he took the, the dead hand of Jairus' daughter in Mark 5.41. It's this same confidence that he advances against this powerful spirit that has taken hold of this epileptic boy. So many times we hold our faith so tentatively and nervously at just the time we need to apply it confidently. This is the way Jesus, or this is why Jesus says, How long will I be with you? How long will I put up with you? He wants to know if we are ever going to trust him and have faith in him to do even greater things, as he tells us later. The Father says to Jesus, if you can do anything, to which Jesus replies, if you can. And some, some translations have a question mark there, like, if you can? Like, are you questioning my authority? But some, some say it should be more of an exclamation point. Um, uh, one commentator said it, it, is more, it, it was either out of a statement of astonishment by Jesus or was an, an answer to the Father of, if you can. You see, read it that way. If you can, everything is possible for one who believes. The possibilities are not on Jesus. It's not on Jesus believing. It's on you who ask. If you can, everything is possible for one who believes. And this is the prayer that we should, would have on our lips. Because he responds, he says, help me in my unbelief. You remember this? Change my unbelief to belief. That should be on our lips every day of our lives. Uh, help my lack of faith. Help me in spite of my inadequate faith. Lord, I'm not, I don't have enough faith to do this. Help me overcome my unbelief. And that is the Father's prayer. This is an exercise of spiritual wellness and purpose. As we understand that we are weak, but He is strong. He is the one that gives us the grace to be able to ask these prayers and to empower us to do them. If my mind is renewed and I avoid the discussions, I get, don't get caught up in the idle chatter around me that are, that are unfruitful, my mental life will be healthier. If I doubt myself 
uh, excuse me, if I devote myself to worship, my faith will grow and I will experience God in a deep and personal way. These are the things that prepare us for the marathons in life. Uh, a renewed mind readies us for the, the psychological and emotional challenges that lie ahead and sometimes daily in our lives. The challenge of the next hill or the challenge of the intense heat of the day. Whatever challenge we have, our mental capacity needs to be ready for that challenge. We clear it and renew it with Christ. Our worship readies us and our spirit to face whatever may come because we know that God is near and that His Holy Spirit gives us strength. And we do that with daily worship where we turn our hearts to God and we turn our eyes to Him and we lift our hearts to Him. And the last element in a work marathon in training is the physical work itself. It is where we put in the miles. We put in the work to strengthen and to give us endurance. If you look at the last two verses, 28 and 29, or it's not the last two, but Mark 28 and 29, uh, chapter 9, it says, After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? Isn't that the question? And he replied, this kind can, can come out only by prayer. It's a legitimate question, right? They had already cast out demons before. They had healed before. Some say they'd even raised the dead before. So why not this time? Why was this time different than the others? Jesus' answer is deeper than what it first appears. This kind can only come out by prayer. Were the disciples not praying? I mean, do we not pray? Why, why do we not have power like this? Sure, they were praying, so why couldn't they cast it out? We ask this question often of ourselves. Why does God not seem to answer my prayers? Why do they seem empty sometimes? Why do I seem to continue in these dark places or these hard places? Well, this wor these words, by prayer, uh, means not a momentary, spontaneous prayer thrown up heavenward, saying, oh God, help me or deliver me. Something like a God is great prayer over a meal. So that the life of God, this is a prayer of communion. This is a prayer of personal intimacy instead. So that our life with God may come out, that the life of God may come into the life of your soul. It becomes a part of who you are and how you live. It's a part of our daily exercise is that we commune with him. My long run days are Saturday morning, and, um, and they are greatly affected by the two days prior. I have two days of rest before my Saturday run. And if I don't eat right, if I don't get enough rest, it, or prepare my mind and my heart right, I go into that run depleted, fatigued, and it is terrible. It is terrible. I struggle the entire way. I'm looking at cars going, do they know me? Will they give me a ride home? Because I just, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, what, what, was, what was I thinking? Well, I wasn't. Because I wasn't prepared. I'd done some of the legwork, but I hadn't done the heart work. I hadn't done the head work. And I wonder if you understand that only by prayer means you are present tense with God. This kind only come out by prayer, by the present tense of God. Do you remember what the Spirit shrieked when it saw Jesus? 
the present tense of God walked up and the spirit knew he was in trouble. When we walk with God in prayer daily, the presence and power of God is with us. If you know the story of Paul much later in his ministry, uh, his shadow, they would lay the sick in his shadow. It wasn't Paul that made them well. It was the presence of God in Paul that brought healing to their bodies. They knew the presence of God. And when we commune with God, his presence is with us and it comes out as a prayer. This kind only come out with the present tense of God with us. I wonder, are you running life in a sprint? Are you hurrying through your worship, through your communion with God, your prayer time with God, only to find that you're out of breath and you're nowhere closer than you want to be or hope to be? Or are you pacing yourself like a marathon? Are you doing the work you need to do? I know that he can empower you. If you can, if you can believe he will, he will. If you can. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for breathing new life into us. For helping us know that you are near, even when we're out of breath. Lord, gather our scattered thoughts. Bring us into a place of peace and rest to know you dearly and nearly. Speak to us, Lord, in our hearts and our worship. And help us have a conversation with you as we walk along the path each day. Father, meet us where we are and help us grow into the disciples you long for us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.